Today, uh, we're beginning a brand new series called All In. Say All In. All In. Yes, we have done this series in the past. But guess what? Not everyone is all in. <laughs> right? Uh, actually, this is a series that probably needs to be done every single year. Now, we redo it. I'm not just rehashing last year. I mean, some things we'll say again, but we've redone this, of course. But I think maybe this is a series that probably needs to be done every year because we have a lot of brand new people that have never heard some of the things that we're going to say in this series. Also, it's good for all of us to be reminded of some things. There are some things that I think I say too many times. And so, I'll ask somebody to repeat what I've said. They can't repeat it. Obviously, I haven't said it enough. Also, it's good for all of us to be consistently challenged. Would you agree this morning? Well, the tagline that we are using for this series is United for the Kingdom. United for the Kingdom. How many think uh, that unity is a good thing? Right? And unity for the Kingdom. Do you believe that's a good thing? Absolutely. Let me give you some scriptures on unity this morning. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 133, verse number 11, he said, how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And then Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 11, he said, finally, my brothers and sisters, strive to be of one mind. What is that? Unity. Unity. Strive to be of one mind and to live in peace. He also wrote in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 2, he said, make my joy complete by being like-minded. What is that? Unity, yeah. And he also wrote in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Can I give you one more? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 10, I appeal to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Okay, I got to give you one more. Jesus said in Mark chapter 3 and verse number 25, Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Or in other words, it will fall. So unity is absolutely necessary for success. See, none of us can do very much for God and for his kingdom all by ourselves. Not even the greatest among us can do very much all by ourselves. But, but together, together, unified as a team, we can accomplish incredible things. So I am encouraging all of us in this series to go all in. I'm calling us to unity. I'm challenging all of us to discover our position on the team and then suit up and get in the game. Now, you might be the pitcher, you might be the catcher, you might be the lonely right fielder, but there is a position on the team for everybody, and we need to find our position on the team. We need to suit up and get ready to go play the game. Well, some of you are either still in the stands looking on, and you know what people do in the stands when they're looking on? 
They criticize, right? They criticize the coach. They criticize the players, you know? Man, oh man, you know, they're not out there in the game. They're not suited up, but man, they have all the answers. Listen, there are too many people today in the church that that are still in the stands looking on, criticizing what's happening and taking place. Oh, or they're on the bench. Listen, it's time to get out of the stands. It's time to get off of the bench. It's time to get in the game. Do you know what the number one hindrance to the to church growth is? The number how many want your church to grow? Yeah. The number one hindrance to church. Do you know what to church growth? Do you know what it is? Well, let me tell you first of all what it's not. First of all, it's not location. Oh, if we just had a better location, our church would grow. It's not location. And by the way, we have an incredible location. 22,000 people, uh, cars drive by this church Monday through Friday, every single day. It's not location. It's not facilities. Not facilities. Well, we sure can't blame church not growing on facilities. We've got an incredible, up-to-date, wonderful facility. Uh, it's It's not bad preaching or singing. Uh, it's definitely not bad preaching. That, that, that's not bad preaching, bad singing. That's, that's not the number one hindrance to church growth. It's, it, it's not the lack of money. The number one hindrance to church growth is the lack of volunteers. The lack of volunteers, the lack of workers. Church growth experts say that the size of the church is in proportion to the size of the amount of dedicated workers. How big your church is going to be or going to become is determined not by location or facilities or preaching or singing or money. It is determined most foremost and most of all is going to be determined by how many people are in the game. How many people are not just sitting in the stands, not just sitting on the bench, but they are actively involved in the work of the Lord in their local church. Hey, hey, Jesus said that. Yeah, a lot of people make some real big money writing leadership books, but Jesus already said it before any leadership guru ever discovered it or ever said it. Jesus said that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 to 38, he says, the harvest is truly plentiful. He says, guys, there is not a problem with the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is great, Jesus said. The harvest is vast. The harvest is limitless, Jesus said. But Jesus said, the laborers are few. Jesus said it's not a problem with the, with, with the harvest. It's not a problem with the potential. The problem is with the laborers. And Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This series is all about gathering laborers. To be all in, you can't just come and sit in the stands. You, you, you've got to get involved. It, it means uniting with the rest of the team members. Well, today we're going to begin this series by talking about being united in our commission. Being united in our commission. We'll talk about something different every week, but this week is being united in our commission. Now, a commission is an instruction or command or duty given to a person or group of people. And in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus gave what has commonly become known as the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. 
I wonder what all the world means. Jesus said, go into all the world. I wonder what he meant by all the world. What do you think he meant? I think he meant all the world, right? All the world. So all the world would include both local and global, right? At the grace place, we are united or we desire to be united in our commission. And so our commission, first of all, includes local, local. Acts 1 and 8, Jesus said, be my witnesses. Jesus says, tell people about me everywhere. Where? Tell people about me everywhere, Jesus said. And then Jesus gave us a list. He said, in Jerusalem. He says, throughout Judea. He says, in Samaria. And Jesus said, to the ends of the earth. I want you to notice that Jesus started or began with Jerusalem. I don't think that was just something he did. I don't think he did that. No, I think there was a meaning behind that. Listen, listen, Jesus started and began with Jerusalem. So Jesus was saying, start local. Start local. So our commission includes local. I want to make three statements here this morning. Uh, about our local commission. First of all, I want you to know that we have a heart for our own. We have a heart for our own. At the Grace Place, we take care of our own. We're a family. We're a family. It's not just a bunch of people that have assembled today. We are a family. You're a part of the Grace Place family. As a family, we love and we care for one another. And our ministries are strategically designed to take care of our own. C groups are a prime example of how we take care of our own at the Grace Place. See, to either lead a group or be an active part of a group is an incredible opportunity for you to help us take care of our own. And then we have all kinds of ministries that you can be a part of. And each particular ministry is also a group of its own. And interacting in these ministries and rubbing shoulders with people in these ministries also gives you an opportunity to care for people and be cared for by people. Because we are caring people, caring for people. We have a heart for our own. First Timothy chapter five and verse eight says people who don't care for their own, they're worse than sinners. And Galatians six and verse 10 says, do good to everybody, but especially to those who are a part of the family of faith. I challenge us this morning to be all in when it comes to caring for our own. But not only do we have a heart for our own, but we also have a heart for others. We have a heart for others. See, we're not all just all about us. Uh, Our desire is to be inclusive, not exclusive. Let me say that again. I said our desire is to be inclusive, not exclusive. It is our desire to make everybody welcome and celebrated at the Grace Place. Everybody. Every race, every color, every nationality. It's one of the things I love about this church. It isn't a white boy club. 
thank God for the diversity that God has blessed us. And we have embraced at the grace place. And listen, this is the community that we live in. And if our church does not, you know, if it doesn't reflect our community, there's something wrong with the church. And so it's our desire that our church be inclusive, not exclusive. Every race, every color, every nationality. And listen, we love and we celebrate and do our best to minister to every generation. We're not just all about millennials at this church. We're not all about just one generation. This is a multi-racial, cultural, but also a multi-generational church. We love every generation and we value every generation. And if you're a generation, you do not feel valued. I want to say, I'm sorry. That is not our intent. We value every generation. And we thank the older ones for blazing the trail before us. And (laughs) the older ones, I are one. Amen. Listen, whether you're an infant or a senior or anywhere in between, our heart is to include you. Now, that being said, it takes a host of people of all ages to get the job done. But not only do we have a heart for our own and have a heart for others, but also we have a heart for the outcast. The outcast. You know, if you read the Gospels, you're going to see that Jesus modeled this. See, Jesus went where no one else was going. And he reached out to people that no one else was reaching out to. In fact, he reached out to people that everybody else was shunning. And he helped people that could not return the favor. Just think about it. Think about it. You've read the Gospels. Think about the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus told his disciples, he said, hey guys, I need to go through Samaria. And they said, what'd you say? Jesus said, I need to go through Samaria. They said, what are you talking about? Lord, everybody else avoids Samaria. That, 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 is, that is an area town where nobody goes to. What are you talking about? Everybody else avoids Samaria. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans, called them dogs. They avoided Samaria like the plague. But Jesus went there on purpose. He went there on purpose. Why? Why? Because because he had a heart for the outcast. There was a woman there. She was an outcast. Oh, the Samaritan woman. Oh, she, she, she was an adulteress. She was an outcast. She was a Samaritan. She was looked down upon. She was made fun of. She was, oh, she was there at that appointed, at that time getting water because she knew nobody else would be there. And she didn't want to be ridiculed. So she was there at that time of day. But Jesus went there on purpose because he had a heart for the outcast. There was a woman there that needed him. And how about the time that Jesus healed the leper? Lepers were outcasts. They were shunned. They were separated from the rest of society. In fact, by law, by law, if a leper saw anyone coming anywhere close to them, they were required by law to scream and yell, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean, unclean, warning them. People coming toward them of their leprosy. But Mark chapter 1 and verse 41 says that about Jesus and a leper, it says, but Jesus moved with compassion. 
reached out and touched him and said to him, be healed. And he was. Oh, how long has it been since we touched or met the need of somebody that everybody else has given up on? And then in Mark chapter 5, the story is told of the demoniac of Gadara. A man who had been ostracized by his friends and his own family. Possessed by thousands of demons. Those demons had driven this man insane and and he was violent and everybody was afraid of him. And so they took this demoniac and they took him to 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 the cemetery and they left him to live alone among the tombs. And nobody would go near him. Nobody would come close to him. No one except Jesus. Jesus had a heart for the outcast, and Jesus delivered him and set him free. Hey, hey, even the woman with the issue of blood, I I never thought about it until this week when I was putting this message together about even the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5. You know the story? Thousands of people were swarming around Jesus. Oh, oh no doubt they were pushing and they were, they were shoving and they were pulling on Jesus. And, but notice who got his attention. Notice who got his attention. The woman with the issue or the flow of blood. Now you need to understand in that culture she would have been marked as unclean. An outcast. But it was her. Out of all of the thousands of people. Out of all of those that were pulling and tugging on Jesus. It was her. She was the one that got the attention of Jesus. She reached out and she touched the hem of the Lord's robe. And Jesus said to his disciples. Who touched me? And the disciples were dumbfounded. <laughs> well, well, what do you mean? Who, who hasn't touched you? <laughs> what do you mean, Lord? They asked. This crowd is crazy. They're out of control. Jesus, everybody in this crowd, everybody within an arm's length is reaching out to touch you. What do you mean who touched you? But it was this woman deemed unclean by their laws, an outcast, not really supposed to even be in public. Out of all the people that day, she is the one that got the attention of Jesus. Who's getting our attention? The one with the bling? The one with the BMW? Who's getting our attention? Our series is called All In. Challenging, challenging us to, to be all in for our commission. I'm challenging us to unite in, in mission and vision. And our commission includes local. And listen, there are people in our, in our own church that need to be cared for. And there are people in our own community that need our help. Now listen to me. Sometimes we need to develop strategic ministries 
And sometimes we just need to support strategic ministries that are already in place. We spend too much time reinventing the wheel so we can put our name on it. When somebody's already involved in that, we just need to support them and join them and help them. Amen. For example, Metroplex Women's Clinic. Metroplex Women's Clinic in our own community provides specialized free medical services, education, and counseling. They're a safe place for women to talk through their life circumstances, their future hopes and dreams, and to find answers. Three locations. Each location has a connecting thrift slash resale store with great bargains. Let me give you some of the service needs of Metroplex Women's Clinic. First of all, they need, they need more counselors. Men and women are needed to meet one-on-one with clients to assist them with the complex needs of unexpected pregnancy and parenting. An increased need for male counselors. You will be provided with training. Prayer warriors are, are needed. Praying with Metroplex Women's Clinic on Monday mornings. Praying in the clinic or at home for clients and ministry needs. A real need for people that are able to speak Spanish. Needed, especially as counselors and administrative volunteers. We have some representatives and some of our own people now. Oh, I'm excited about that. But some of our own people who are representatives of this ministry with us today, more information or if you're interested in service, serving with them, talk to them in the lobby today. Amen. But here's the deal. It takes people and it takes resources to fulfill our commission. Are you all in? Yeah. All right. Thank you. There's, I got about 10%, but we're working on it. Amen. But not only does our commission include local, but listen, our commission also includes global. Global. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world. He so loved what? The, world. the what? The world. For God so loved the world. Oh, so he gave his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him would not have to perish, but would have eternal life. Four things I want to say about our global commission here at the, at the Grace Place. Number one, listen, we have been given an assignment. We have been given an assignment, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. Jesus said, everyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe, they will be condemned. So you see, before Jesus left this earth and ascended back to heaven, after his death on the cross and after his bodily resurrection, Jesus gave all of his followers and all of those that would follow after him, he gave all of us an assignment. And that assignment was to tell everybody in the entire world about him. And to tell everybody in the entire world about the provision of salvation that Jesus has provided for them. The wonderful news is Jesus made a way for us to be saved, the whole world. The not so good news is, is half of the world hadn't even heard of him. Wow, this is a monumental assignment, isn't it? And it's one that requires all hands on deck. Everybody's going to have to be all in to accomplish the assignment that we have all been given. Second thing that I want to say here, and that is at the Grace Place, we have aligned ourselves with strategic ministries to accomplish this task. 
I am so excited about that fact. Listen, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Listen, you name the need, and we are partnering with people and ministries who are targeting these specific needs. Well, I don't know if I should give to the missions ministry of the Grace Place. Why would you not? I'm telling you, we target every single need. Listen, whether, whether that be a humanitarian need, an emotional need, or a spiritual need, we're all in on it. We have partners who are addressing these needs. Hey, hey, hungry or abused or, ne- or neglected children, covered. We got partners. How about fresh water for those that have never had water ever in their entire life? Covered. Can you imagine? You don't even have a clue how many water wells we have drilled all over the world. Bibles with commentary for pastors around the world who not ever one time in their whole life have they ever had a Bible, let alone a commentary in their own language. What about that need? Covered. Fire Bible. Bible schools all over the world. Not just Bible schools all over the world, but Bible schools strategically placed in countries where there has never been an evangelical Bible school ever in history before. There is one now, and we partner. Specific missions targets like schools and colleges. Covered. Youth Alive. Kaiapha. Missionaries in over a hundred different countries. Covered. Every single month. But listen to me this morning. We will not be able to continue these partnerships if we are not all in for our global commission. We need more senders and we need more goers. Third thing that I want to say here is this, and that is we are going to be held accountable for what we have been given. We're going to be held accountable for what we have been given. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells the story of the talents. Now, talents were a measure of money in that day. And three different men were given three different measures or amounts of money. And they were challenged by their boss to do something with what they had been given. And sometime later, they were called in by the boss to give an account of what they had done with what they had been entrusted with. This is a parable. This is a story. This is, this is Jesus telling you and telling me that the very same thing is going to be done with us. That every single one of us have been, have been given gifts and talents and abilities and treasure. And one day we're going to be called in by the boss. One of these days we're going to be called in by Jesus. And we're going to have to stand before him and we're going to have to give an account of what we did with what he gave us. Pastor, do you have scripture for that? I just happened to have some. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 says we must all, how many? We must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Romans 14 verse 10 and 12. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. 
I'm not saying that works will save you, works will not save you. But listen, it's more than just about salvation. Yet we're going to be saved or lost by what we do with Jesus and his finished work on the cross. That's what saves us. But I'm going to tell you, friend, heaven is not one size fits all. And when we get there, even though we are saved, even though we are redeemed and blood bought, we are still going to have to give an account for what we did with what we've been given. And we will be rewarded or we will lose our reward based upon what we have done with the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the finances that Jesus has deposited into our life. You better know that. Because some people, they're just worried about getting into heaven. And listen, it's the biggest worry, all right? I mean, that's the biggest thing of all. But don't just get to heaven. Have something to be rewarded on when you get there. And don't be ashamed when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Based on these scriptures, friend, I don't know about you, but I want to be all in on what God is all in for. Amen. Last thing that I want to say here is this, and that is we will be rewarded according to our obedience and faithfulness. Back to the story uh, in Matthew 25 of the, of the talents. Two of the men were rewarded for their efforts. Oh, their boss said to them, well done, good and faithful servants. Oh, you were faithful to do something with what I gave you. I'm going to reward you with more. Fact of the matter is I'm going to double what you have. But the one out of the three that did absolutely nothing with what he had been given, listen, read the story, listen, listen, what was given to him was taken away from him. And then he was punished. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 that I read a moment ago says, we will each receive whatever we deserve for what we have Done. Once again, it's not talking about salvation. It's talking about rewards or lack of rewards to the redeemed and to those that are saved. I cannot speak for you this morning, but I want some rewards given to me when I get to heaven. I said, I want some rewards waiting on me when I get to heaven. I, I don't want to just barely make it in by the hair of my chinny chin chin. I want to, I want my master to, to meet and greet me with arms wide open with a smile of affirmation saying, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a little bit. I'm going to make you ruler over a lot. Come on, enter into the joy of your Lord. I can't speak for you today, but for me, when it comes to our commission, I'm all in. Who will join me? Who will join me? The takeaway for the message this morning is simply this. We should be all in for what Jesus is all in for. What should we be all in for? For what Jesus is all in for. And that's what we strategically strive for at the Grace Place. Is to be all about what Jesus is all about. And his word instructs us to be all about Father, I just pray today that you'll take your, your perfect word today, not a perfect sermon by no means, but the actual word that has been presented in, your, in the message in the sermon today. Oh, God, I pray, Lord. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for a, a host of people. Oh, we've got a lot of wonderful, wonderful workers, wonderful volunteers. Oh, we're grateful and thankful. We couldn't do it without them. Lord, we have too many bench warmers and too many that are in the stands. We have people that said, I need a break. <laughs> but come on, the break's over. It's time now to get back in the game. God, help us today. 
God, I know that I can't twist arms and manipulate and guilt people into doing anything. It'll work for about a week or two. God, what they really need is for you to call them. What we need for you to do is to lay it on their heart, to get involved. Even if they don't know where in the world they could be plugged in at, we'll help them. We'll help them find their gifts and their abilities and their talents. We'll help plug them in and get them involved in the work of the Lord.